0: Hello, and welcome to this week's Starts More podcast with me, James York, and. Ted Knudsen. Hey, Ted. How are you doing? I already know the answer to this.
1: I, I have the flu, but sometimes you need to pod.
0: Ted has dragged himself off his deathbed for the, the good of the podcast, so that's very, very decent of you, Ted. Appreciate it. And of course, things are going on. It's quite an exciting day. Uh, no, for some it's of a us. boring
1: international week. Nothing's
0: going on, James. If if only something wild and crazy could happen just to just to give us automated content, then that would be good, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh so <laughs> late last night well not late, like last evening anyway. Seven twenty-four. Uh, <laughs> wow. I think it was dude. That. We're gonna dig into some stuff here. This is like a therapy session for you.
0: <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> First stage denial.
1: <laughs> what what happened at seven twenty four last night,
0: James? A missive came from from the head <laughs> <high>. at Tottenham <laughs> to say that finally Mauricio Pochettino had his tenure had been ended. You was, see, finally.
1: Yeah. So so like, what does that mean? Finally. They've been crap for
0: ages, Ted. I mean, huh? they, how dare you? Let's make no bones about it. The Champions League final uh, glossed over miserable form through at least like the, the the results were terrible in 2019 apart from some wild Champions League games uh the metrics Look, the,
1: go back it was possibly the most fun season that you can remember though right
0: uh in some ways but only only when it became apparent that we can actually get to the Champions League final which was later on but yeah league was league form was terrible especially after christmas the results were fine uh in 2018 but the metrics weren't so here with my metric hat on, I 18 months of Tottenham's decline in metrics. Um, know, it's time it, it run its course. Not, I think I spoke about this maybe with Ben before. Like, it's real hard to. I mean, we spoke about this before as well. I think it's real hard to kind of rebuild a team, um, and not many managers do it. And you know, once I think someone said to me last night, once it's gone, which it you know it had clearly gone at Tottenham, you don't often get it back. And um, I you know someone's The person who said that to me was like, you know, in all sports, I can't think of any situations where once it's gone, it's come back. And ironically, Mourinho, the man to step into the fray, <laughs> the, the man who, who who's had it come and go for every club he's ever been at, I think. Uh, yeah, is is a kind of embodiment of not getting it back once it's gone. So, yeah, interesting stuff, Ted What's your early take here?
1: Uh it's kind of confusing because you know pocatino is definitely one of the best spurs managers of all time and i think one of the things that kind of has come to the fore and it's it's a modern problem is that it is difficult to to motivate players for like more than than three years at a time like really really quite difficult and you know often people kind of you know, they, they've had enough, and I want something new, I want something fresh, and they have, like, infinite options, right? Because these are, like, especially at Spurs, they have some of the best players in the world. They can go almost anywhere. A combination of that plus the the Daniel Levy, um, you know, negotiating path, which has led to a lot of dressing room unrest, and you're seeing more and more of it come out, um, that isn't necessarily Pocatino's fault. Uh, I think that that's, you know, brewed into a, a cocktail that's pretty rough, and, and you're right in that the Champions League run kind of... M- masked a lot of that, of what might've come out toward the end of last season, because they had something really cool to focus on. So
0: yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Just quick. You know, they, they limped to the top four last season. Now, if they'd have limped to fifth place or sixth place and they, you know, got lost in the champions league, like earlier, just Pochettino's, you know, legacy looks, looks very different already. And, you know, he's probably under more threat at the start of the season. I think, you know, goodwill of five years plus the champions league run, uh, Meant that you know he probably he probably got more time than than anyone else would have would have got in this in this situation. And Levy's been pretty pretty decisive in the past when things haven't been going well. He's not he's not you know he said he said in his statement you know with with regret you know difficult decision and all this kind of thing. Yeah you know he's, he's tended to act with with regards hiring and firing managers right pretty decisively and with the the best interest of the club at heart after all he's a fan or he's an investment man either 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 way you look at it you know you, <laughs> things were pointing in the wrong direction
1: so I have a question for you do you think that the the summer that they didn't sign anybody like really screwed up the dynamic of this team do you think if they had brought in like a few new players then and then a few new players, uh, this summer and managed to churn through them uh pocatino might have managed to to keep some freshness with the squad
0: it's so difficult to understand like who's who's responsible for that like stagnation that season because like depending on where you read or depending on what you listen to like you know obviously Le- levy was very busy with the stadium uh there's talk that pocatino was you know a little bit picky with the players that he wanted to come in I don't know if like a you know congregation of factors led to this kind of like stagnation. Obviously, they should have bought some players at that at that point, and it meant that you know that, that most of the defenses like has been looking to edge out the club. And I think that that might, funny enough, that might have uh, that might have forced uh, the Levy's hand even more. I think players like a lot of rumors that players were dissatisfied and. You know, there was just, well, I can't remember what, what it was saying that you know contracts are kind of sitting there unsigned that might have might have been signed before. We haven't seen you know the classic Pochettino photo of shaking his shaking a hand and uh, giving someone a new contract. We haven't seen many of them recently. So it's true. Um, it's yeah, it, it it definitely run its course. Yeah, you know, I, I I can see it both ways. It, it's it's a little bit sad it's come to this because he was such a good manager for for a good three four seasons. Um, but you know it's it's been a long time coming in another regard so thank you Maurizio and good luck and now we've got Mourinho
1: <laughs> so one of the things that I you talk about metrics and I think that uh, I kind of sussed this out a while back if you have a pressing manager and you see the pressing stats like dramatically decline yeah. I and mean, there's not like a really good reason for it you probably have a problem Yeah. and I've seen this happen with Schmitz I've seen this happen with like other managers where <clears throat> they have great success in in sort of pushing this style for quite a while and then guys get tired of it and they get tired of the running and, and they basically, you know, check out and at the point that they check out and and do the running less, the the system falls apart. And I think that that might even be even before like the XG stuff, I think that might be like an early indicator to, to look at and say, you know, unless we have really clear reasons why this has changed a little bit, like Liverpool had some pretty clear reasons. Um, you you have a potential problem on your hands.
0: Yeah, the season to season, I do. I've, I've got these little kind of PPGA charts, where we just look at pressing actions across the pitch. And season to season to season, uh, Spurs is, is an absolutely stark. You know, seventeen, eighteen, they look like Liverpool and and uh, City, like really high up the pitch. A lot of work there. Last season, it's like mm, that's fading. <laughs> it's, it's like the victory on Back to the Future is fading away. And then this season, you look at it, it's like, <laughs> oh my god, like it's all at the wrong end of the pitch. Like it, there's just you know the high press is just like left, and you tinkered with formations and stuff. I, I don't know. It just it was just all wrong. It just all came wrong, and uh, and you know they won three league matches and been some really dire performances in there. I mean that's that's my hope for the future. I know marina is not renowned for his uh, expansive football, but no, two things he can do. He can coach the defence, and the defence has been terrible for ages. So like right, come on Mourinho, do that. <laughs> and yeah, I mean he's what's the other thing he can do he, he, he's got to look at that squad and think like right I can get some I can get some wins out of this squad and he's, that's, he, that's even in his, his kind of announcement he's like looking forward to working with these players Kane's going to be back I've got, I've got an idea about Kane. Like, what if they, like, you know how uh, said about Vardy recently, he's like, right, I've just focused on, like, getting him to do the things he does well. And the one thing mm-hmm. Kane can do well, which you just cannot take away from him, is when he gets chances, his finishing is really rather good. He's, you know, he's, yeah. he's he, he he's even if he can't run at any point, like, that, that's something he can do. So if, if Mourinho can just, like, screw his head on and, and say, like, right, we just want you to do XYZ and we'll get other players doing the hard work. I don't know. I'm genuinely quite interested in this. The fan base is in mourning about uh, Mourinho turning up. Um, I'm genuinely quite interested just because it's something new. I'm so sick. So in, in, in our Slack
1: today, uh, J- James is like, no, I'm up for this. I'm, and, and there are a couple of Spurs fans uh, in in the Stats Slack like, you are a traitor. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. people are like, no, this is not good. It's mari He's like, we win a couple of games and everything will be fine. Sure, Mourinho's he's out of his travel tavern mode now, right? You know, he's was, he's was living was Alan Partridge's life in Manchester. He lives in London. You know, he's local. And sure, you might get two good years. You might. Get are you suggesting that he's not going to live out of a hotel for uh, his Spurs time? It doesn't look like it. No, so like you know, it's. It, it, it's a risk. Uh, football, to some regard, is um, don't really want to say this, but you know, it's it's entertainment as well. You've got your big and big name entertainment coach. You've got your big stadium. You've got your revenues. You've got your big hang name on, players. Hang on, it hang all on. kind of fits in together. Did yeah. you
1: just associate Jose Mourinho with entertainment?
0: <laughs> well, you're gonna create headlines, isn't he? There's, there's no denying Well, that.
1: yeah, but you know, usually contextually, when someone says the coach is entertaining. You're not talking about his media appearances. You're generally talking about like the football style that he's going to put out there <laughs> uh, in your brand new stadium that also is going to house the
0: NFL in London. Um, if they win matches, right? people forget about this quick. <laughs> they won't give a shit about Mourinho. They'll, they'll be if like, they yeah, win this, matches. This is the bottom line of sports. If you get like, your manager wins matches, people soon forget the, the bad old you days. You are so talking yourself into this. I'm up for it, yeah. Come on. This is like me it. saying
1: that you should churn Christian Eriksen. You'd be like, no, 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 no. Well, that's like, interesting as well,
0: isn't it? I think from, like, the, you know, let's, let's you know, take a step, step back quickly from the kind of, um, you know, the, the perspectives of Mourinho that you might have, like, kind of wider world. But, like, from a football level, like, the players are going to be, the, the players have got to be like, okay, this is interesting. Like, you know, I think... He's not going to walk in there and not like kind of have some command of his dressing room. You know, he's he's going to be pretty kind of like well, I think he's going to be pretty welcomed at a player level. And there might be. What if be they a, have
1: friends at Manchester United? <laughs> you
0: know, they may well have friends at Man United. They probably <laughs> have lots of friends at Man United. Just,
1: I'm sorry. I'm just really having fun with.
0: Them. I was trying to look. I was looking at the team he took over at Man United. No, he just bought. Uh, he bought bought a few players like Zlatan and Pogba and Mkhitaryan. And it all came in. Eric Bayer, I think. Then you had like kind of Rashford was 19, Martial was 20 at the time. It was a bit of a funny little kind of transition period as well. And don't get me wrong, Tottenham's, Tottenham's squad is is in some kind of transition. But there's a lot of kind of peak age players there, especially in this kind of I, like attacking I think, think your squad life.
1: is better than that United squad by yeah. a good bit. And and here's a spicy little question. Would you rather have Dombele at this season or the first season
0: of Pogba? Well, yeah, I mean, I think in Balé's like uh, potential is like every bit, of, well, at least as... The, as good as pogbos I mean it's just yeah I,
1: I mean I, we, we look at our metrics and kind of the outputs and pogbo always a bit of a weird fit like a fun player but um and, and really talented don't I'm not taking that away but like Don and and Los actually actually as, as a midfield, set like you look like hey we're pretty happy for the next four years and, and we could actually dominate the league with this midfield who's
0: the dm i mean he's going to play his like four, two, three, one that he's, he's kind of gone with most you of guys time? are signing matich in january <laughs> I, I thought that my, my, <laughs> my comedy tweet last night was like zlatan's coming in january and then like this morning i woke up he's like oh my god is it you know matich incoming kind of thing i mean no! if, if the club can just like steer it into just like look we'll get you we'll buy the players you know we we'll, Maybe get you like one one celebrity player on a kind of six month deal or eighteen months or something. I mean, they did that with Poxino, they bought him Lorente when he was very old and you know just headed the ball a lot. So you know, twenty first
1: twenty first club is uh is on standby right now.
0: Well, yeah, we we know yeah we, we know factually that they are involved in some some way to uh, with Tottenham. So hopefully, come on guys at twenty first club, keep. Keep your hand on the, <laughs> on so, the so turn. the good
1: news for for Mourinho is that you guys are nearly qualified for the Champions League knockouts as well. So it's not a complete washout, and and the league is fucking weird this year. Like, there's just it's all over the place. And nobody actually knows what's going on. Yeah, it is. Yeah,
0: the schedule is quite kind actually. Uh, in the, in the near same future, you have obviously got a big game against West Ham at West Ham. Although you know West Ham got their own problems at the moment. Home um, Olympiacos. Home to Bournemouth, you know, you're not gonna not gonna be particularly worried about these fixtures per se. Uh, then away at Man United, then home to Burnley, then the Bayern return leg, Wolves, Chelsea, <laughs> you know, now we're into Christmas, Brighton, Norwich. So he hasn't actually got. Um, like a horrible kind of run to run to land on, so they could they could they could win a few games if he just gets their heads right and steers them in the right direction. There's talent in this squad. I mean, there really is. And someone said to me last night, I think it was Mark Whittington. He wrote for the site a couple of times. He said, he said, oh, they've got eight out of eleven good players, and it's like people keep going about right backs. It's like don't worry about it. You know, there's still a lot of good players there. Someone can play right back, and it's not going to completely create the rest of the team. Jose only attacks with one fullback anyway.
1: Well, there we go. Like historically, around, that's so. that's always been the truth.
0: Yeah, you get flipped probably play with my name. I don't know. I, ju- I just hope the players I like don't get marginalised. I mean, that's always the thing with new new managers. Like you don't want the players you like to get marginalised. Anyway, Do you like any young players? I like some of the young players. Yeah. So
1: oh, that could be problematic.
0: But there's there's not that many old players. There's literally there's literally bands of like kind of 22, 23 year olds, twenty five to twenty seven year olds, and then like Vertonghen and Sissoko and Aldevar. Yeah, well, I look
1: the. The defenders, the older defenders, are still pretty good. And, and Mourinho will play R- Ricardo Cavalho until he turns, like, 40. So, like, those guys suddenly have, like, a new shelf life uh, under a new manager as long as they're able to do what he wants. It's genuinely ah. just
0: fascinating just thinking, how does this, t- what comes next? I, I, I don't know.
1: So, you're you're intrigued by the chaos element of this? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> So i also like that that Spurs squad has an element of like the Billy Bean thing where like just get rid of anybody that's not good enough to play so that your your new manager, you know, can't make bad choices. And <laughs> you know, that squad's decent. Uh, it could be upgraded. January would be a little fun. Like we might see a bit of There might be um, a transfer actually.
0: That's yeah, I mean then probably wouldn't have been otherwise. There's been very little January action in Tottenham as well in the recent season, so yeah, we got, so we got James our is, back. Yeah. James is cautiously optimistic. This is <laughs> fascinating. And, reason, and the yeah. Arsenal
1: fans are, like, so excited that not only did you guys sack your, your best head coach ever, or one of them, uh, but you also have taken on Mourinho. And that means Arsenal's not taking on Mourinho. But the other side, also Arsenal fans, basically, in, in Meme World, is, like, um, we still have Unai Emery as our head coach. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> How, how, why can't we get rid of a coach and bring somebody else in? It just struck me. Like, is Mourinho luxury Sam Allardyce now? He comes in as a bit of firefighting for a season. Or two, uh...
1: Yeah, so that's that's like a <laughs> mighty fall. Um, so back to Pocatino briefly. What does his next like eighteen months look like, assuming that Daniel Levy lets him off gardening leave at some point? Oh, hang on. I, there was one thing that I wanted to cover that I promised somebody we cover in the in the pod today. So basically, this morning we saw a bunch of very similar stories come out in the media uh, from sources, and those sources like are basically it's a club briefing is what we call them, where the club puts out information about oh this is our spin on it, and often. The manager actually has like an NDA as part of his sacking process. So like, you know, you don't see much. So a lot of the sources that you'll see in, in near times, unless they're close friends, like Balagay, I think, wrote a book with uh, with Pocatino. So like, you know, that might be a slight shift uh, depending on what comes out of his stuff. But um, yeah, so like there was the stuff in The Athletic today talking about how he sulked off after not winning the Champions League. I'm like, what is this nonsense? Like this is clearly characterizing... Any normal response to not winning the Champions League in a way that the club wants to, like, you know, impinge his character a little bit. I think that uh, this is normal, right? And five years is a long time. I think Pocatino did a great job. But the question is, you know, what next?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going to get a really good job. Um, I presume he'll have to wait out this season. And if he's smart, he would anyway. I mean, I I presume he's contracted to, like, not do anything until the summer um <clears throat> but then yeah it's really interesting what what jobs are going to be on the table because there feels like you know recently in recent times there's been a um a lack of strong candidates for your kind of like Barcelona Real Madrid buy jobs you know that have come around and you know I personally would prefer if he didn't stay in the premier league and he went to one of these uh, one of these european giants but yes, yeah, surely surely he's going to um land at one of these you know very top clubs and he deserves he deserves a crack at it really um I agree. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how that we'll see how that pans out. It'll probably be similar to Tottenham. It'll work work for a, a period of time. But yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely turned down a, a handful of um, uh, kind of approaches during his time at Tottenham. So you know, you know he, I, he's, I feel he's, like he's done his time. He deserves a. you know mega job and he'll he'll get his chance no doubt
1: he had that moment uh around the champions league where you know he kind of people thought it might have been joking but maybe it was just like a real serious bit of honesty where he's like you know if i were to win like i would step away yeah and and it might have just been like him being you know that's the right thing to do anyway um and and maybe he didn't you know maybe didn't want to make that choice but at that point, like maybe it was right because yeah. like you can feel that sometimes you can kind of sense what's going on, but maybe you know he's like we we had a really good run and we're going to spend a bunch of money this summer and it's true and they they almost got like a really fascinating group, but yeah, I don't know, like I I think that he's very talented. He'll go to one of the very big clubs. Um, you know, United had been rumored for quite a while, and and that would be intriguing. Um, obviously, one of the two big Spanish clubs, always a little shaky on. On who's there, um, he could go to Italy and, and be interesting as well, like maybe a UA or something like that, or Inter. Like oh, can he's never he's an Espanol, ball. man. He's to You like, anywhere,
0: say that. Else, you the
1: All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, So we've got lots of other stuff here. Apparently there was like a really big match before the international break kicked in that we're supposed to cover. But before we do that, I just wanted to look at the fifth spot in the Premier League table after 12 games.
0: Is it Sheffield United?
1: It is. It is Sheffield United. Now, what is the goal difference in just goals four between the fourth place and fifth place teams in the Premier League?
0: <laughs> 22
1: goals. <laughs> 22
0: goals. <laughs> a very distinct tier we have here between uh, those that have done well and those that have not. <laughs> It's, it's but it's even then, like fourteen goals between anyone in the top four in Manchester yeah, United.
1: Yeah, uh, grinding, I believe, is is how it might be.
0: Wild, yeah, actually. Yeah, the anyone throwout. in the top four and anyone out of the top. Yeah, Tottenham were the fifth, fifth top scorers with eighteen. Chelsea got twenty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> scoring. Burnley goals, are the sixth. Turns out
1: it's a good <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs> Burn, Burnley has,
1: have seventeen goals in in twelve games. It's like downright frisky for them.
0: It's a real mishmash, isn't it? When you when she get out of the top four at the moment.
1: But yeah, so Liverpool City, you want to talk about that? Uh, allegedly, we're supposed to do that. I, for those of you who, who've forgotten what was happened. like weeks ago. It was good, though. <laughs> James has lived a thousand lifetimes between <laughs> now and then. And actually, really, just in the last 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so, <clears throat> um, yes, uh, home win, 3-1. Liverpool uh, eight points clear at the top uh, from the scrappy, fighting Leicester's uh, under Brendan Rodgers, um, but like more importantly, nine points clear of Manchester City. And what did you think of this game? Because like I, I think both of us watched this live.
0: Uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, it was it was bizarre because like Liverpool just scored two quick goals, and it was like okay, now what? <laughs> and then like, i think city played pretty well during the game especially late on uh liverpool shut down at 3-0 uh they didn't but it was it was nip and tuck pretty even uh I, you know I, I felt that during the during the game even though the you know the 2-0 that did shape things somewhat but yeah i think man man city can write to be frustrated a little bit i'm i'm not going to i don't give a shit about vargas penalties that weren't given away, but that's life but um, yeah we
1: just we just avoid that like it's not (laughs) like and i've been talking to my son about this who's who's like a a 10 year old and he's like oh man the referee really robbed us so like look just deal with what you can deal with like you're gonna get bad referees like this is just how it works and sometimes you're gonna think they're bad and they're not which is also the fact of life uh but yeah like the the var stuff is is tricky and you know, we can argue about that till we're blue in the face, but, like, let's talk about reality and, and what actually happened. It was so, like, obviously, the Fabinho goal. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, like, oh, keeper should have done better. He's absolutely striped it. He's, he's he hammered <laughs> it. You know, it's a cracking finish. And, yeah, if you want to be super critical, you moan about the keeper, but I'm not going to moan about the keeper. Bulleted it. <laughs> Sometimes these things happen. Uh, The
1: Salah header was also gorgeous. And Liverpool score off their first two shots, which, you know, that that is going to characterize the game. But internally, um, and I think even on Twitter, uh, we were arguing a little bit with with some other members of the stats ball team. I'm like, I feel like this thing has been razor thin for, like, the first half. And uh, there were that right-hand far post... Felt like you know there were three goals where or three shots that if they'd been like you know six or eight inches the other way those would have pinged in off of the post. Yeah. Like City had some pretty good chances there. They from did. Angles.
0: They, they created three. I think they had eighteen shots in the game. And again they were chasing it or something. But like no one has eighteen shots against Liverpool. That just doesn't, doesn't
1: matter. At all. Well, I'm part of this game state because like Liverpool yeah. were up, so they're they're willing to like. Maintain shape, and there were 30 shots in this game. Almost none of them were high quality, which also, I'm really relates a little bit to the quality of the defenses. Like the Mane uh, shot, I think was the best one that Liverpool had Mm. in the whole game. That was a goal, Uh, and then City had like a 16% from Kyle Walker late, and and that was about it. So like you know a lot of shots, but you know Liverpool have to feel like they they maintained you know a solid defense, and it was a hell of a game though, and the pressure. <laughs> the pressure numbers here like also tell you kind of how yeah. rocking this this match was cuz you know possession was 55 45 Liverpool had 279 pressures, City 192. That's a lot. Yeah, like it is. They, These teams went out there, and this was this was a slugathon, but like a beautifully played game, really tightly uh, fought, and and Liverpool came out on top. Which you know the, sometimes you get the
0: run. know I know for a fact that was the most that Liverpool recorded in a Premier League game this season. And again, like you say, the the, the, the possession wasn't so skewed that you understand it, but Liverpool definitely understand this is something. I feel like they tweak things, every, something every year, and I think this was something they tweaked last year a little bit. They actually understand, uh, like, not to go hard in every single game, but when they when they have a game against one of their big rivals, they go hard and they really do. And you know, I think it, it, the, the, we close pressure stats quite interesting. You Go across the team, like everyone put a shift in, like Mane, like we recorded him with forty three pressure, Firmino thirty eight, uh, Salah twenty. So that's the whole front line, like really putting in a shift. Um, What an interesting. And the completion
1: numbers actually reflect that, too. So, like, Liverpool only had 77% completion, like, City had 80%. And and often, like, you know, Liverpool were sitting back after they they kind of got that lead, except for in the places that they wanted to destroy. So, yeah, I mean, these two teams were not playing like a normal game of football. Like, this was, you know, definitely title contention on the line Yeah, yeah.
0: and there was a huge battle uh, in behind. well, basically in Trent Alexander-Arnold's zone, and it was again there's something something that was interesting when I, when I evaluated it um, for the Anfield Wrap, for looking at the pressure numbers. Uh, there were loads of Liverpool in lo- loads of pressure, like trying to just shut down Sterling. Sterling had a cracking game. He was beating, uh, he, beating he, his man, man down there, but uh, it wasn't Alexander-Arnold that was that was logging all his his pressure defence. Mane tracking back, Henderson coming yeah. back in. Shutting shuttling across. They all had, they really had to kind of like, you know, double team and and still Sterling like repeatedly got through and like made good chances uh, coming through that zone. So it was, you know, a small battle on the pitch uh, in that little zone was, was genuinely quite fascinating. And we've said it many times, like uh, Alexander Arnold was such an attacking threat that if you want to get in through Liverpool, then like, you know, perhaps him dumping the ball in behind him and and kind of like seeing what happens there it's not the worst strategy yeah it was. well i I think i think
1: city were consistently pressing down on the on the fullbacks knowing that they wanted to encourage liverpool to to play like a little more centrally or or just to i mean trent is is really kind of how they function a lot of the games like not all of them and there's a lot of danger and depending on which midfield they they put in there like they can make themselves more or less dangerous uh, through the the center of the pitch but yeah it it was like a great game. I have a question for you. Go on. Do we not rate Raheem like not we, but like does the world not rate Sterling highly enough for how good and how dangerous he's been at City? Because yeah. he's just at City, right? And yeah. and you kind of get that and whatever. One of the
0: cogs in Paps machine, isn't he? I, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to think in those terms because yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's a shame. Is his. his, his Contributions weren't slightly more decisive than that because I thought he was really good and really dangerous throughout. Um, I don't know. It's probably, it's probably the innate prejudice of the wider press or something that will always mean that you, you feel like you hear less about uh, how good Sterling is. Um, I, th- I, is th- think I think the on. Sterling
1: and and Salah are the two most dangerous players in the Premier League still right now. And and Salah, you know, Mane has has gotten a lot of extra off of the fact that everyone has to double Salah because he's so fast and he's so strong and he keeps the ball tight too but like Sterling is is that level he doesn't seem as strong but his mobility and and his quick cuts and his ability to keep his head up and make the passes and he's always had that little bit of roadrunner meep meep and then he's just gone uh from a standing start I, I don't know I I think that you know De Bruyne has often taken the plaudits, uh, and, and Aguero is there as well. Uh, Fernandinho is too, but like Sterling is the constant under under Pep, and and probably the most consistently dangerous player. Sonny's not even there right now. Uh, Weekend at Bernies is really good, but I think that Raheem is is like at this point, his twenty four year old season, basically a top five player in the world. That's
0: yeah, yeah. That's not not a bad shot. I mean, he he's, he contributes always. You know, he's, I'm just looking at second in the league for, uh, we've got him second in the league for expected goals. Assisted from open play, and I think we've got him, what, he's top five, yeah, he's fifth for like expected goals. he so have got like an all round forward here, he's, he's, he's contributing.
1: From wide, whose job is also to advance the ball. So like a lot of center forwards, their job is not to advance the ball. Uh, he does it, and he does it through an intricate system. So I don't know. as, as my take. I just thought that I'd, I'd mention that because I thought that he was he, he had everybody terrified, and Liverpool did just enough to make sure that they didn't get picked apart. But any other day, and and that could have the scoreline could have been very different. Yeah. And and the, the expected goals say that throughout the whole time as well. Like yeah, it was it, it was tight.
0: It was, wasn't it? Yeah. It's funny the, the the race race mark for the game like basically just followed they followed each other up to three 0 and then Liverpool did nothing, and next like, day came on a little bit stronger at the end. Which was, was just fine. You know, Liverpool were were clear, and you know would have had to collapse entirely to, to not get a result after that. So you can quite understand that they switched off a little bit at three 0 But yeah, it was um, it really was a good game. Right, let's move on. What have we got next, Ted? Yo, you, you've been on your travels. This was quite interesting. We can start Liverpool related here, isn't it? Because you've been to your Barcelona. Travels. Imagine
1: me like ballooning around the world in a top
0: hat. <laughs> As as a stats bomb balloon. You can go one coffee flying stuff. Oh, this this balloon would be really cool.
1: Actually, I'm I'm up for that balloon.
0: <laughs> the company's become so wildly successful. Bought a balloon. No. Anyway, if Ooh, I it. like this though. This is our documentary. This is
1: our uh, Spurs have a documentary with Amazon. Uh, stats bomb documentary is going to be we bought a balloon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you ever see it starts from balloon in the sky, you know things are going really well. <laughs> oh, I like this. But, anyway, but you just, balloons to Barcelona last week. Uh, because they had their, uh, A broken James, everybody. What I did was, it. <laughs> what what was it actually called here? It's, it's an innovation in Analytics? Or was a half conference? I don't know. I don't know the title of it, but they have an analytics conference. Like it's, it's like sports tech week, and right, they've yeah. got
1: a coach one, and the coach one is always challenging because like a lot of times... <clears throat> So I, I was talking to people at the at the event, like the the analytics event is always good. Um, uh, Suds, and I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I'll horribly screw it up, but Suds at, at Benfica uh, led it off with some, <clears throat> sorry, led off the presenters uh, with some really good insight on, as he, he's been working there for like three years, and he had some cool applied stuff, which I thought was really interesting, Right. Um, including like, you know, understanding that there's only so much gas in the tank for players, and so certain runs like off ball runs or like what is this run gonna get you? And and making them kind of understand a little bit of like ball progression and EPV type stuff where you know, if you understand the style of play that we're trying to execute a little bit better, you know whether or not to make that run and whether that run is valuable. Because you can only make that run so many times, uh, like a high-intensity run, say, like, you know, 30 meters or something like that. And there's recovery times inside of that or whatever. So, like, that was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. And Benfica and have uh, a guy named Pedro Marquez, I think, that's their technical director that used to be at Manchester City. Yeah. So, like, they're they're investing typically long-term um, good academy coming out of there. So, Suds was there. Um uh, lots of other people, uh, a lot of uh, posters as well. I think the 23 guys, uh, David Padoma Metza and Daniel Girella. Uh, had a poster as well, um, some cool stuff uh, from John Morgenstern uh, on there about kind of broadcast tracking data and physical stats, which I thought was intriguing and and better than than I think most people expected. He's yeah, one okay. of the graduate students out in Vancouver. Um, another poster from Lloyd Shaw's group and at Harvard, and I think they won that uh, yeah. former stats by alu- uh, stats by alumni. <clears throat> yep, yep. Uh, English, but works at Harvard, and. Um, yeah, and then, like, the the second day uh, is less sort of analytics nerd-oriented. Uh, it's more of, like, sports tech week, and they have people from, like, American sports and leagues, and uh, AC Milan was there, and, and whatever. So, like, the, the, the analytics side was good. <coughs> Sorry. Um, but um, the the one that kind of, like, everybody was excited by was during the sports tech week, and it was... Uh, somebody from the 76ers, uh, somebody from the NBA League office who's really good and uh, name escapes me right now. And then Ian Graham. And Ian Graham is the director of research at Liverpool and has been for quite a long time now. And before that, he worked uh, sort of behind the scenes through another company at your place uh, uh, yeah. to give them advice or your favorite team anyway. Yeah. So Ian had this this talk that I was, like, I was trying to summarize a little bit of the ones that were exciting to me on Twitter and Ian's talk was like very nuanced, but we can talk about it here. It's it's hard to do it in like two hundred and eighty character bikes. Uh so he was basically saying that you know there's this concept of of marginal gains. And that's actually, you know, pretty darn useful for like a sport like cycling or racing, uh where you're trying to eke out like every last bit of performance in a game or a sport that's mostly optimized. Um, you know, I know you, you follow athletics yep. and uh, and optimizing athletics, uh, aside from the drugs, is <laughs> uh, a, a very narrow window to, to get upgrades. So you're looking at a couple percent. But he's like, S- football is not that. Uh, football is not optimized at all. And so in that type of circumstances, what you actually want to do is you want to find the place that I can have the biggest single impact. And I want to push on that one as hard as I can. And that is... Uh, He put out a pie chart, which I laughed. (laughs) Um, But uh, that in football is clearly player recruitment because that's where the money's at. um, That's where the wage bill is at. And so that was a big deal. And he went back through a few of their uh, past signings uh, or, or sales. And looking at, you know, were they successful, were they not, etc. And Salah didn't fail at Chelsea. He failed to get on the pitch. And then, like, immediately. But, like, when he was on the pitch, he had, like, very good small sample baselines. Then those baselines continued to be really impressive at Fiorentina and then Roma. Um, And so that was one. Iago Aspas was another one. And and the Iago one is fascinating because, like, Iago and Luis Alberto were two cheap buys that they picked up from Spain. And Iago's like when I first got access to the data, I was like, wow, this is this guy's really good. I remember, and he had a sp- I
0: remember this. I remember like you know, Aspas looked like a you know, a, a really you know, straightforward like, I've looked at the numbers, I like <laughs> look at this player. You know, I mean, obviously, you, know, you would you would do a lot more before you sign a player, but he was he, he was quite standout back in those, uh, those early uh, Spain days for sure,
1: yeah. And he and he went back to Spain and he again became a standout. Mm. And and Ian's. Perspective there was, you know, he didn't fail, like he failed to get on the pitch for us. And that's a different story. And, you know, different managers come and go. And sometimes, you know, they do or don't like guys, but also like, you know, the the forward line then was... uh, uh, Sterling uh, quite young uh, Luis Suarez in, in world beater form and Daniel Sturridge before right. like, the injuries just ravaged him and you're like okay well that makes sense too Like you might not be able to get on, on the pitch then L- Luis Alberto um, great baselines out of the Barcelona Academy and then didn't quite make it at um, at Liverpool, bounced around a lot, and then became like a mainstay for some pretty good Italian teams, consistently putting up very good numbers. Never quite fast, but his creative passing was great. So those were two of them, and then the the third one was was Coutinho. <clears throat> it's like you know, Coutinho last year looked like he was he was actually doing not bad uh, or the, when he first came there i think in january uh he was actually quite good and then the next season you know it looks like he's not doing that badly he is getting mostly on the pitch but then he, he kind of unveiled a little bit and talking about the deeper numbers that they look at and and um yeah like possession value added i think is what he mm-hmm. we called it uh and and basically it was like you know Coutinho's being in barcelona is quite clouded uh we can't it's harder for us from a numbers perspective to like give a, a really good uh, yes no on this and and when we dug deeper like it was a lot of his passing that that was sort of um, trickling back in value versus where he had been at liverpool and okay. and that first that first set of months and I, I don't know like i thought it was like really nuanced and very clever and, and ian's very funny um i got a chance to, to chat with him and i can't tell any of the stories because uh one i would get in trouble and two they're like very blue and you know we're just a, a pg podcast so um uh, <laughs> of <laughs> guidance suggested the uh, so, yeah, it, yet,
0: so.
1: well exactly so <clears throat> it was fun to see I got to talk to you know Javi Fernandez who was at our, um, our conference and did a great talk on YouTube and um, yeah I, I think the, the world is moving pretty quickly but this Ian one was actually his, the Graham thing was very approachable uh, it was like okay how do I find the big impact how do we, how do we move that how do we make sure and reevaluate ourselves and externally, you know, evaluate the players to make sure that we stay on the cutting edge. And I don't know, like, obviously everybody knows that Liverpool is, is really great, but he doesn't come out to talk much. You almost never see anything from Michael Edwards. So it's pretty notable to, you know, pay attention when they're out
0: there and actually having a chat. What's Will Spearman doing? Does anyone know? The man without portfolio. <laughs> you know I'm I, just, I I'll just, I'll just throw that in there because we know he's there and, though, you know, we know he's just super talented and super clever. And it's just it's just fun to fun to imagine what could he be doing.
1: <laughs> I think will is taking academy players and then putting them in the large particle collider mm. and seeing what happens <laughs> that that's what I like to think anyway without any additional knowledge I, I think that's my my comfort comfort level that sounds
0: about right it just it just kind of throw back to the kind of the, the, the this this very simple really idea that uh you know any club can can do uh doesn't even have to be that well fairly basic but you know, you know just simple player evaluation things with starts. It is the first thing everyone wants to do, uh, you know, build lists of players and look at it for recruitment. Um, you know, I think it never in, stops
1: being fun. No,
0: that's true. I think in twenty twenty nineteen 2019 is, it's, it's a case of like, if you're a football club and you haven't got anyone like contributing in this way to any level, then why not? Uh, <laughs> you really should do. And, um, yeah, we'd always always endorse like moving in that direction, and yeah, like you say, it's 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 just it's a kind of straightforward way where you can where you can make gains, and again, just not minimise your mistakes. You know, understand the types of profile of players, and you know the potential futures of players. You know, projection of players is, is hard. It's it's you know, it's always an inexact science or an inexact art, even. But at least if at least if that like. You're, you've got the correct kind of like baselines of understanding. What? Why have you signed these players? What? What is the future of these players? You know, are you even the basic? Are you paying a guy till he's thirty-four and his legs falling off? Um, yeah, it's, it, it remains a, a, a fertile ground for, for analysis and you know just just making like small gains, which is what it's all about. If you can make small or sometimes gains, big games, maybe like big games big, are there big. too. Yeah.
1: Um, So we will be at the Talent ID Conference for the English FA next week. We've been invited to talk to them about how you can use data. uh, And that'll be pretty cool because it's up at St. George's Park, uh, where I assume there are dragons, uh, or (laughs) used to be dragons, perhaps. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, we'll be up there uh, next week uh, on the 28th. And then not much else going on, but we will actually next year launch a uh, player evaluation course. Uh, as part of our, our courses that we do around the world, so if you're interested in kind of our perspective on this and training people and stuff like that, um, you know, keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, let's see. Oh, I had one more question before we move on to the non-football segment. <clears throat> yeah. So, how useful is it to give Jose Mourinho a three and a half year contract?
0: It's interesting, isn't it? That feels like that feels like his negotiator's a. It's it's the first small battle that he's won. I would
1: wager a ton of money that it has clear break clauses that include not not qualifying for the Champions League.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's no, there's no. It would be pointless to to spend a large fee on you know an esteemed manager such as Mourinho. Uh, without actually making sure that you've you've got you've got some tangible kind of results attached to it, and of course his ego, he'd be like, yeah, sure, no worries, I'll get you, I'll get. He really would be sat there in Tottenham's training ground today, like think thinking like, we're gonna win Champions League. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And he's rich for life as well. Like not only like 25 million U.S. a year or something was his United contract. Who knows what Russia paid him? Like, I'm sure he got a good Sky contract. Like that dude does not really worry about money. So like maybe he's just like, hey, this is a good landing place and it's in London. So like I don't even have to deal with like all that. So yeah. All right. So for those of you who don't like movies uh, and our movie reviews, you can check out now. Uh, we'll catch you next time. For those of you who do, James has finally watched Avengers, that game. And we're going to talk about
0: it. Yeah, we'll talk about it briefly. I got through it. It took me three seconds to watch it. and about three weeks. Actually, no, I've watched it this week, but it, I started and got five minutes in, and then I got ten <laughs> minutes in, and then it was like, oh, all right, let's right, let's let's go go with this. Okay, you've also watched it, Ted. I like, why, not, why don't we start with what you think?
1: No one cares what I think, James. Well, we're yeah. all here for you.
0: That's right. I'll tell you what, <laughs> the thing that annoyed me most about this film, because obviously the film annoyed me, there's no, it was never not going to, uh, is how everyone stands in, uh, like, kind of equidistant from each other the whole film. Like, you get these shots of, like, a shot of one guy, a shot of another guy, a shot of another guy, a shot of, guy, a shot of whoever. And they're all stood in this, these kind of, like, perfectly poised, like, staged positions for their, for whatever they're going to say or do. They all face each other. I mean, it's, it's, it's so ridiculously. Uh, stage the whole the whole bloody thing is um that irritated me uh good actors this is what i thought good actors i'm swear they've been for the last 10 or 15 years miring themselves in this crap it's good money so, <laughs>
1: who are you martin scorsese
0: all yeah. of a sudden <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: uh, it's like good actors and uh chris pratt then,
0: then, then, <laughs> on, they just like kill they just kill kill this this guy's just minding his own business like picking his fruit or whatever it is uh in his in his field and they come and chop his head off so mean and it turns out he wasn't a good guy so
1: presumably most of you know that that james has not seen any uh, of the marvel well. cinematic universe things uh, uh movies before and so this was james's jumping in point and and this is obviously highly entertaining to me and, <sighs> and entertaining to me is why i do most things so like you know that's why we're here um so so like Obviously, you had. <laughs> I think I've quoted you, but it's it's better to hear it from you. What was your first? You said you watched it for four minutes the first time. Yeah, yeah, I watched what your four did minutes. You say. It was
0: just like Robert Downey Jr. playing like silly games with some blue person on a spaceship, <laughs> and it's like, what the hell is this? It's it, the whole film's got this weird juxtaposition between between like kind of slightly jaunty, heavily um, heavily focus grouped comedy dialogue and. Then like super serious uh you know this it's this or the world kind of thing and uh people people dying because of we've just decided, <laughs> Scarlett Johansson dies. Sorry, spoiler alert, Scarlett Johansson dies. And it's like <laughs> what we've just decided like to randomly flip a coin between her and Jeremy Watson's face, like one one's gonna die at this moment and that there's there's, Renner. there's your emotional heft. Oh, no, and she did die. And it's like fuck off, this is absurd. I don't know. Yeah, this mix of pontificating and crackery is really weird. Well, I I, I enjoyed that actually, and I think the the
1: dialogue was quite well written for the most part. Um, but I obviously have seen just about all of the MCU really? movies. I think the only one that I haven't watched was uh, Captain Marvel. I didn't watch that before coming into this. But did you kind of get like what had happened, or, or yeah, I mean, did you not, just it, never get? It's,
0: it's not it's not hard to work out. It's it's, it's weird. The first hour is like this. Getting the gang back together. This long hour of like, yeah, and then they came back together because stones. You know, <laughs> it's like, okay, right. This is this is great. Uh, I can't remember what happened in the middle hour. It's just kind of like a, a bit of kind of like plot, mo- plot moving on. Oh yeah, they went and got they went and got the stones. It was like, okay, now we'll get the stones, and that's what I quite like. Funny enough, Harry Potter film, uh, the third Harry Potter film. I, I'm never no interest in that crap either. But my daughters watched them all. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that's uh, so I've sat through. And the third one I quite like because you've got those kind of like back to the future, like scenes where they're watching like a former scene and that th- they're involved. I love that as a plot device. I in, don't know why. So in my notes, literally in my notes. Um, so,
1: so there's a lot of, of throwback fan service stuff inside of this. And I, I obviously loved it. And most people loved it because this is, you know, whether you like it or not, this is the dominant cultural, uh, vector that that we've taken so all the nerds that got made fun of in high school for what, reading comic books because that was very not cool we now own the cinematic universe um but so there were bits in there that I really enjoyed, and in my notes it says Avengers plus Back to the Future, and James would be on board. And I thought the time <laughs> travel stuff was a little shitty, but I knew you well yeah, enough they, to put no, that they just, inside
0: my they notes. Didn't, they didn't quite, uh, they didn't quite do it enough with it, I think. But I, 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 like I say, I quite like that as a device where you're where you're kind of like revisiting, uh, yeah, for, you know, former scenes and and in the background trying to change things. Like I say, the third Harry Potter film has got like, that same device that I, I quite like. It. Uh, so that was that, that was that was the that was the middle third, and hang on before we get to the the, the rest of it, right? So so I've got like
1: tons of stuff. Um, so I have uh, in my notes here, Thor as the dude is a great image, and I really enjoyed that. And and I I also enjoyed it partly because like Hemsworth is so fit and and so like ripped at all times, and they turned him into the dude. And you know you. Obviously, we'll miss some of the emotional import of this movie since you didn't watch the rest of it. But you know, this is all of these super powerful people dealing with shit that they couldn't control and having like trauma and all this type of stuff. And like, there's an element of that 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 is approachable because it you know it, it strips out like all of your everyday bullshit where like bad things only happen to to you know to poor people or to normal people. Like bad things happen to everybody in this universe, and even the, like the the incredibly powerful you know most powerful heroes in the universe uh are dealing with this bullshit and i i kind of i liked a little bit of that i thought that was kind of cool
0: he's he's hanging around with a talking raccoon i mean i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) a drunk drunk fool who just loves his booze searching out wine cellars while some talking raccoons like trying to trying to stay on the job it's like oh my god whatever
1: Whoever I don't know that talking raccoon is Bradley Cooper, sir.
0: Yeah, I mean it feels like you could have got a cheaper actor for that role, but obviously that's the thing. Like so many, the, the cast is insane. Like I mean, they literally bought everyone that's ever been in one of these films back. Probably get a million dollars each because obviously it's you know <laughs> you know it's just easy money for. For everyone involved this whole shivang, but yeah so to have such an insane cast and um, and just waste the long-term
1: cast of like so many of these movies has been awesome right like all, many of the best actors of the last 20 years have made appearances at various points yeah, yeah. like uh odin is uh, sorry anthony hopkins and uh, kate beckinsale is uh, the evil she's uh hella She's the goddess of death in, in Norse or whatever. She makes an appearance. Uh, I mean, there's just tons and tons, and you know, pretty cool. Uh, who is it? Tony's uh, Tony Stark's father is uh, Roger Sterling, I believe, from Bad uh, Men. Is that right? Uh, and by saying more more shows that you haven't seen, no, I'm okay, okay. Um, so, uh, but they are also like you know parts a bit like the John Wick films, but less painful where, like, I was irritated. So, like, Iron Man. So, Iron Man has, like, in, in, like, the modern iteration, he has all of these particles in him. But, like, shouldn't that, like, the, for the Iron Man suit so that he can quickly turn into the Iron Man suit, he doesn't have to worry about carrying around in a suitcase or whatever, or, you know, stepping into it. Um, But if if he has all those particles, shouldn't he be su- super dense? And, like, how does he not just, like, cave in normal floors?
0: Yeah, I think these are important I, questions. I, I can never, live live I found Robert Downey Jr. irritating in this film. He just yeah, he's, his, he's his, very mopey. Funny little ticks and just like his, oh, I don't know. I've had enough of him. Had enough of Rob Downey. You've had enough. Sorry, sorry, mate. But <laughs> it just found him a little bit. There's a funny little thing about the film, like uh, masks. Like the, the the effects department must have been like, right, if anyone has any kind of mask, then whenever they stop, if they're moving, the mask goes on, and as soon as they stop, it just lifts up, and so you can see their face. And it's like every single person that this happened to so like, why these are why?
1: really well designed yeah, right? <laughs> they're just well-designed costumes they've had a lot of time to to the know, guy, suss these the out
0: the guy on mask you must have been like i've really got this it's really good we have to put it in every single scene it's like oh fuck, right out there. anyway at the end of the film Hang on, before we get there.
1: No, no, stop. We're not even close to the end of the film. This is a three-hour film. Like We're only on 10 minutes to talk about (laughs) this. You can't rush ahead. You've made everyone wait for weeks, James, (laughs) weeks to hear about this. Um, I do have a Robert Downey Jr. question for you. Have you seen Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang? Uh, No. Okay, so you should actually fix that uh, because it's a fantastic movie. And uh, it, it has, like, Robert Downey Jr. actually being pretty good. It has uh, Val Kilmer in a spectacular role. And it also has Michelle Monaghan, like, you know, throwing her fastball at, at, like, one of the hottest moments that she had in her career. She's had she's a very good actress, but you're just like, wow, she's amazing at, like, almost every moment. Gonna, so you should definitely Someone's going
0: to tweet me and say, you shouldn't watch this film.
1: <laughs> well, <saying>. yeah, but <laughs> other people's opinions, like, you know, whatever. They're just opinions. It's also... It's also done by uh, directed by Shane Black, uh, who was involved in Predator, uh, yeah, also yeah. involved in The Nice
0: Guys. I like that. Uh, that was good.
1: Throwback see? nonsense. That was all right. Come on, James. I know you. Like, <laughs> Lethal Weapon 2, Lethal Weapon 3 as writer, last action hero. Okay, don't, don't pay attention to that one. Uh, <laughs> and, and the original Lethal Weapon, he wrote. And he was apparently involved in some of the rewrites for everyone's favorite Christmas movie.
0: God. Die Hard. <laughs> We can say love actually. Also, <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
1: yes. Uh, so, so smart Hulk bits were actually some of my favorite parts, and I thought you might find them irksome. But uh, uh, it feels like they they struggled for years to make uh, Ruffalo really enjoyable in the franchise. But I thought like he was actually pretty great the whole movie, and and seeing it, it was good. And Hulk has had various smart phases throughout, usually as a smart Gray Hulk uh, throughout the comic books. Not that you would know or
0: care. No. On, I've, okay, I've got so more. Yeah, you can, just have you, to wait. You can get to, get to it when you like. <laughs> Everyone's sitting there with
1: anticipation. Uh, so <laughs> there's a moment at like 118 where uh, so basically the the time travel turns the movie into a heist film, uh, which is kind of fun. Like again, we like heist films. Everybody likes heist films, uh, and and so like they they get to replay an elevator scene. Uh, with Captain America mm. that happens, I think, in Winter Soldier, which you also wouldn't have seen, but nevertheless, a very good movie and has great fighting, like reali- mostly realistic. The fight scenes in that movie are fantastic. Uh, but yeah, so like that's another element of fan service where it's basically the payoff for watching the other 20 movies. And in my notes, I say, comma, James. Uh, you know, if you haven't watched the other 20 movies, you might not I have I didn't like the that three Captain
0: members. America fight. It's like the, the one Captain America who just sees himself and is just like, Loki... And that's it. And then oh, they yeah. fight. Is a conversation here might help. Who are you? This no, is a very that, good rendition of me. Maybe you are me from the future. But it's like, no, I'm not going not gonna to talk. I'm not going to communicate this. Uh, this odd situation. I'm not going to communicate. We're just going to fight like fuck. I was like, no, it's just Occam's razor
1: there. Like you know, if you see yourself and you don't think that time travel exists, then obviously it has to be Loki. Like the Norse god of lies is the first possible conclusion that you come to. Probably more likely to do it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe than in our current one, but should you see yourself in some circumstance, James, I recommend fighting because it's probably Loki. The end of this film, Jesus Christ, honestly. <laughs> in fact, no, also, really,
0: it's not the end of this film. There's two endings, really.
1: So that elevator scene, though, is is a fight scene where they all pack into the elevator and and then Cap kicks everyone's butt as they're trying to like you know capture him uh, from uh, Hydra slash Shield or whatever. And in this one, he doesn't fight. He just gets out of the elevator right, yeah. uh, because he says "Hail Hydra," and so like that's a little bit of a cool thing. Uh, I'm almost done. Uh, <laughs> the best thing that Chris Pratt does in movies is dance, uh, which makes him a bit like early John Travolta. Because I'm not sure that Chris Pratt like adds much to most movies right. myself. Yeah. You might feel otherwise. No, Have you seen a lot of Chris Pratt films? No, I
0: haven't. But there was there was a, there are the number of characters in this film where it's just like generic Hollywood handsome guy. He does things, and like all of those characters just blends into one. So I don't actually know who you're talking about when you say Chris Pratt. Excellent. He's, okay, he's, he's, he's one of he, those ones. I know that much.
1: He's Star Lord, and like the only man that really danced. <laughs> Can you remember anyone dancing that was a man? Not really. He, all right, oh cool. yeah, that all was right, so No,
0: I, I do now. That was just weird. <laughs> it was what? Why? This is weird. Again, tonally weird. What's wrong with the comic with, with the world? that it's tonally weird. Hmm.
1: Anyway, yep. Well, I I I do expect that you are one of the few people in the world who has kind of parachuted into this movie having like no other references. Where's the
0: Silver Surfer? That's a great question. Where did that come from? (laughs) I used to have a Spider Man like annual years ago and the Silver Surfer was in it. And he's like, Why isn't he in this? This has literally got everyone you could ever think of in it, and he's not. In it. Sure,
1: the Infinity Stones definitely, I believe, involved Silver Surfer the first time around. It definitely was in and around Thanos, etc. So that's a good question, James. Right, so there you and go. And not one that is answered in the context Fail. of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> All right, so now you can progress. I, 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 we've, 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 I've drugged this on long enough. Go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, so you've got two endings. The first ending, everyone turns up, it's embarrassing, and it turns into a toy war. I mean, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? Just ridiculous, just here's everyone you could ever think of and they're all just going to fight, because obviously that makes sense. And then randomly everyone turns to Dust, who's bars? and the world is fine. And then the, the, the ending ending is awful, absolutely dreadful, schmaltzy, utter, just Drivel, and it goes on and on and on. It goes on for ages. I was like, "There's like 20 minutes left of this film. we just had the big finale fight. What the hell's going on?" So here, here now? we are in
1: complete agreement. I'm, I'm totally with you. <laughs> and I thought it was like a lot of rubbish, and they were just trying to wrap it up. And it, and that particular thing, the only movie that I can remember like that is fucking Return of the King.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I got no, no input on that, but I can imagine. Again, you don't even know Tolkien. I'm not interested. Never been interested in that. Never been interested in So yes, uh, the ending
1: goes on forever, and there are bits and bobs. But I, I cried a little because you know I could imagine my children like disappearing on me, and I'd be very, very, very sad. Yeah, that's like, that's uh,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, and I can relate to that because at the start of the film, like you know, obviously his, his family disappears, and then somewhere, somewhere along, they come back. And yeah, it's it's a. It, I, I entirely empathise with uh, your your perspective there. It's a little clunky. It's a little basic, but. Like yeah, as a all as you a, need is basic. As a parent, as like a parent, crime. like yeah, you taking your children See? away is is like a is you know one one of your kind of like big fears and you know something something that's, that's horrific. Yeah, I don't think they really realize it very well at all. But like yeah, that's the thing. This is my point about the the emotional heft of this film. It just gets dumped in from a great height. It's like yeah, we're gonna kill someone. Yeah, your family's disappeared, and it's like okay, why? <laughs> and it's just like yeah, may, maybe some of it's like foreshadowed in the. 45 hours of film that you've got to watch to get all the context, but it did just feel a little bit kind of shoehorned and clunky and whatever. And that's the thing, you've got that kind of like classic, I guess it's, it feels like a kind of like Hollywood American kind of like schmaltz that kind of dropped in at times Um alongside, yeah, alongside the now Duriger, Smart Alec comedy kind of uh, aspects. I don't know, you've got three hour film here that you could probably get down to 90 minutes really, I think. There's this, there's a lot of bloat in there, It really is.
1: Well, sure. That's it's, it's bloat at the end of like 21 movies of of other stuff. So I can I can understand why it ended up there. So anyway, James, uh, do you have like you know a rating? What did you think? Did it make you intrigued about other Marvel universe type things? No, not at
0: all. Five, I think. Five. It's 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 passable popcorn fun. I'm with Scorsese. He's right. This is ruining ruining the world this is homogenized entertainment it's not good enough it could be better it's not not good enough
1: okay and and what is good enough
0: um that's a good question that is a good question and because company ethos is if you if you the company ethos if you find a problem, uh, or if you don't like something, offer a solution. I think that, I think I can I can plead the fifth and step outside that. As uh, film reviews is not, well, I don't think it's quite part of the company ethos. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, but I I, I feel like it's if I look, like it's fundamentally disappointing. And then it, it, I just felt focus groups from start to finish, and that's what I, that's what I dislike about it. modern music, modern culture, modern media is the fact that you feel like people don't just express their, their ideas and the things that there's a There's lots of people and lots of planning and lots of scheming that gets, gets uh, culture and uh, media to, to where we are, where we're at. And I don't like it in general. I wish like we had a few more original thinkers in, in key roles and that just isn't the MC.
1: Okay. So the, uh, the audience score on this was, uh, was 90%. That's
0: insane. Uh, so yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't believe like people aren't a little bit more, a little bit more critical. I mean, what is, it? is it, I don't know. Is everyone made it up to the blacks and just like, we like our films. This is <laughs> you're, you're blaming this on drugs down. I'm blaming this <laughs> on the pharmaceutical industry. I don't. Know. I, it's not. I'm 42. It's not for me. You're 43. It's a little bit for you. You've got the hair. I've
1: quite enjoyed it. Yeah. I, and my, So my son still hasn't worked his way through the other movies, so All we right. haven't watched this one. Um but we have started watching mandalorian so there you go
0: right okay
1: uh, right so i think that wraps everything you up didn't give it a school i school? Uh, maybe a, a middle 7 okay kind of That's in awesome. that range i enjoyed it i could see the flaws but like also i mean it was just serving me candy the entire time right. and i felt i felt a little bit bloated at the end of it i i maybe shouldn't have eaten that much but i did enjoy it because i put in the work to get to that point yeah um so yeah. next time we're going to turn it around, and James gets to choose how he would like to torture me with a movie. And we're kind of going to do this, you know, monthly-ish. Uh, it's a bit like we're weekly-ish on on how often we do this, <laughs> but we're as often as once a week. Uh, it, I recommend, if you would like to have a weekly or more often podcast, you don't put your CEO on it. That's That's <laughs> a... a sh- <laughs> <laughs> it certainly helps with schedule.
0: We've cover a couple of weeks, so we get, we get, we we we're, we're doing our best. We're doing our best, but it's all right. Anyway, yeah, that's it. Emergency podcast is here. Yeah, uh, we we'll hope you see you next week. There'll be footballs talking about then, and, and the Mourinho years. It's going to become a Mourinho podcast.
1: Great stuff. I'm still so looking forward to the the Amazon documentary now. Oh that my you
0: would not believe Yeah, that's. That, <laughs> I don't think anyone. I think the, the fan base liked that as an idea. Anyway. I think everyone else's fans really likes the idea. There. Well, there we go. Okay. Well, thank you again for Spurs and the banter. And uh, and that finishes
1: up this week. Uh catch you again next week after we watch some real football.
0: Cheers, bye.